it's time for the Catalyst Midweek Podcast, where we continue the conversation from this past week's message. Good morning, and welcome to the Catalyst Midweek Podcast, where we continue the conversation from this past week's message. My name is John Kelly. I'm the Discipleship Minister here at Catalyst Christian Church. And with me today is a man who went to Bible college only to allow the professors to learn at his feet. That's right, my good friend Robert Harlemert, our youth minister. How you doing, Rob? Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction once again. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, just trying to keep you humble, man. Oh just yeah, trying to keep you definitely humble. keeping me humble. The <laughs> podcast where we measure knowledge by numbers, by numbers and distance. Distance, if that's I remember what it was. right. Distance. Yeah. Um, this past week we had a really, uh, it was a good end to the 40 days sermon series. Uh, the main thing this past week was faith begins with the end in mind. The sermon title was faith unto death. Uh, before we really get into the meat of things, what was, uh, what was your thought of this past Sunday? I, I thought this was Dave's best one personally. He, and he's also been saying for weeks, he's like, I can't wait for the last one. I oh, can't I wait for the last one. He, he really wanted to preach on this one. And I thought he did a great job. I, I love this concept of beginning with the, faith, with, with, uh, the end in mind and, and everything, not just in your faith. It helps in faith the most. But uh, whenever you're going for a goal or anything, like if you understand where you want to be, it's a lot easier to get there then just, oh, we'll figure it out eventually, and we'll hopefully it works out. Yeah, the whole thing, it, it made me think of going on vacation with my family. Because when you go on vacation with your family, you know where you're going. Yep. But you have to figure out the destinations along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a one- and a two-year-old. They cannot do a 10-hour trip very well. We found that out when we took our kids to Florida this summer. And what should have been an 11- or 12-hour trip ended up being 15 hours. Yep. And if you can only imagine... A one-year-old after 15 hours in a car, it was miserable. So we had to plan trips along the way to stop and and get out and play and have meals and do all these different things. And so the whole time Dave's talking, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, if you're going to go anywhere, you have to think, okay, where am I going? And then yep. once you know where you're going, then everything else can make sense. And it's amazing how many of us in our Christian walk get so focused on right now so focused on the things I'm doing right now that we're not keeping the end in mind. So we don't have a focus. Yeah. We just don't have a focus. We're, we're just, we're aiming in the wrong place. And so we never get to where we truly want to go. Yeah. And I think that's also an issue just with people reaching their goals. Um, they don't understand where they want to be. They, they have an idea of what would be nice, but they don't say, okay, I'm going to, be, I'm going to put tangible goals that I can measure in front of me um, in order to achieve those. It's like if kind of like the opposite of what you said with vacation. It's like, oh, we're going to go out. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to have fun. <laughs> have you ever seen a conversation between three people trying to decide what they're going to do for fun? Oh, it's awful. Even even like just our staff. Hey, let's yeah. go get lunch. Where do you want to go? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Trying to decide, yeah, it's the same thing. Um, but with our faith, we have this tangible thing in front of us of, of Jesus. It's a very, very real thing. And we can continue to walk towards him 
throughout our life, and we have a very narrow road that we can be on. It even says it in scripture that it is a narrow road and a narrow gate. And the really cool thing, and you're you're a hiker, you like to walk uh, trails that people have created. Yes, um, man-made trails. How wide are some of those trails? Some of them are pretty wide, but some of them, you're talking 16, 18 inches wide. Yeah. And, and sometimes the trail doesn't really exist because it's overgrown. Yeah. And you just know I got to go that direction. got to go there. And you go that direction. Yeah. And you hope that when you get there that there's a path. Yeah. But those small paths, like I, you, you know that like just hundreds of people have walked through it. It's like 16, 18 inches. You know when you're on the path. Yes. Because it's very obvious. Yes. And that's, I believe, the way that the Christian walk is. It is very obvious when you're on it. And it should be very obvious when you're not. Well, and I think that's where, that's one of Satan's greatest tricks. (coughs) Is he gets us thinking that we're on the path when we're not. Yep. He gets us to rationalize and say, it's okay. What you're doing is fine. That kind of takes us into... Really, the meat of Dave's sermon, that's a point he made of that you need to decide in advance you will make no agreements with evil. Yeah. This idea that you have, to, you have to make the conscious effort to say, I am not going to allow sin to be an everyday part of my life. Yep. That, I think, is something that, as Christians, we kind of miss the boat on sometimes. We're so focused on the big stuff. Yeah. But little things that we think are little, we're okay with. Yep. It's okay to go to church and gossip about everybody. It's okay to do that. I don't murder people. Yeah. I don't steal from people. But gossip's okay. Yeah. It's okay to go out to eat and under tip your waiter and your waitress. It's okay. Not a big deal. I'm not somebody who who uh, is burning down people's houses or, you know, laundering money. But it, it's it's one of those things where we really have to be careful that we don't make any agreement. He actually used the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, in, in terms of VeggieTales. That'd be Rackshack and Benny for some of you. Yeah. But uh, it, he uses the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story. And we were actually talking before we started recording this morning, and you made the statement Daniel actually was part of this too early on. You want to kind of share a little bit of his story about how Daniel wouldn't have anything to do with with evil or make any agreement with sin. Yeah, you know, when they first were captured and these guys were perfect, they were chosen ahead of time because of their stature. And the, the Israelites or the Jews or, you know, the people have been given, the people who have been given the law um, from God, there are certain things that they can and cannot eat. Right. And at the beginning of the story, before the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story with the uh, with the statue and the fire, um, there is a conversation between Daniel and his friends and the leaders of uh, this nation. And they're like, look, we will do whatever you say, but we follow a God, and there are certain things that we just don't do. And when it comes to the food that you are feeding us, we don't eat it. And they 
made that very clear to them. They said, here, let, let's do, let's make a deal. Um, I can't remember how long it was um, off the top of my head, but it was like, you feed your people, these group of people, your food, and we'll eat the food that we're allowed to eat, and we'll see who's stronger and more fit at the end. And because of their faithfulness and them not willing to bend on something as little to us as food, they were significantly stronger and more fit, like uh, visually, than everybody else over a certain period of time. So do you think there's a parallel there with a the Christian life? Oh, I know. I mean, let's let's talk about it. You know, that, that okay, listen, world, here's your idea of what living is. But if you'll just stop for a second and live this way, let's see how much better your life can be. Yeah. You know, that that's a real parallel there. It's And... <laughs> You know, I, I was talking with someone in our church about um, just how much pornography has infiltrated the lives of Christian men. Yep. And and how how devastating it has been to families and marriages, uh, to to friendships. And it's something that in order to do it, you have to make an agreement to do it. Yep. You don't accidentally look at pornography. You accidentally slip a curse word when you hit your thumb with a hammer. You don't accidentally look at nude women on your computer yep. or in a magazine or on a movie. Yep. You do that on purpose. Yep. And that's what this is talking about. You don't make those agreements. There's a commercial out right now for cigarettes where there's a girl signing a contract, and at the end of the contract... The, this contract she signs rolls up into a cigarette and she starts to smoke it. And they make the comment that every cigarette is a contract. And I would say every chosen sin is a contract. Yep. Well, you're saying I am going to put a roadblock in front of my relationship with Jesus right now. And I'm doing it on purpose. Yeah. I, I don't think people realize I, there's a spiritual side and there's a physical side and it affects both. And, People think, well, I'll be fine. You know, I can always come back to Jesus. It's like, yeah, you're right. But it's going to be a lot more difficult because you're setting up obstacles and you call them roadblocks in the way uh, that will make it a lot more difficult for you to follow Jesus. Um, that's why getting out of addiction is so difficult. You can't just stop being addicted to things. That's right. Um, it takes, I mean, we have a rehab center here in town where it's a nine-month program. I'm going to say seven seven, month, now seven, seven month, month program. program. Yeah. And a lot of people don't come out of that. A lot of people fail. I mean, it takes, it takes them seven months to get over something. And a lot of them fail. And, and some it, of them have to go back into it later because after the seven months they fail again. Or they fail again. Yeah. And if they didn't make that contract earlier, it would have been a lot easier for them to not destroy their bodies and to follow Jesus as much as they can. Yeah. Um, but they have something in their life that's going to be a continual struggle for them. And it's a choice that they made. It's a contract that you said. That's really good. I like that. I'm going to yeah. start using that. I'm well, stealing it. You're welcome. I'm glad I could, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I could bestow some knowledge upon you. Um, you know, it just goes back to the whole idea of beginning with the end in mind. You yeah. know, we were talking about me taking my kids to Florida if I'd have been like, hey, let's take a reroute, let's drive over to Missouri for a little bit and then go down, that would have made that trip 10 times more miserable. You know, you don't do that. You don't You don't get off of the route and think it's going to make the trip better. 
if you have a goal to be somewhere at a certain time, you have to stick with the with the route you're on. Yep. And like I said earlier, we get this temporary mindset where it's we think Christianity is all about don't break the rules, don't do this little thing, don't do that little thing. When the reality is, aim for heaven. Aim for getting to spend eternity with God. Yep. Fall in love with Him and go that route. If your focus is there, it's amazing the things you won't do because it gets in the way of getting there. Yep. The last thing I'm going to do when I'm trying to drive somewhere is I'm going to stop, build a brick wall, and then try and drive through it. Yep. That's just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm not going to do that. And and as Dave was talking about all this, I just kept thinking inside of my head, what are the things in my life that I've made, like I said before, as roadblocks? Mm-hmm. On my journey, what are the things that I've put in the way that have kept me from getting where I need to go? And it every time, if I was to talk about it openly, I would say it's because I lost track of my goal. Mm-hmm. I had forgotten what I was there for and why I was on this journey in the first place. Yeah, I the the whole time when Dave was talking about this, I was thinking naturally because we live in Kentucky, horse racing, <laughs> and the blinders that they put on horses. Yeah, and the reason they do that is so that they don't look to their left and right and get distracted about what's going on because there's cheering fans, there's other horses, um, whatever other things horses get distracted by. I don't, I don't know. I've never been I might a horse steal before. that from you. Uh, but the reason that they have blinders is because if they can't see it, um, they might know it's there cause they can hear it, but if they can't see it, they're not worried about it. And it's because they have a goal in mind in finishing the race. And, if they get there, they'll be fine. And a lot of us, we go through life. If our goal is on Jesus, the things that are around us will be a lot easier to go past because we have we should have blinders on and only have our eyes towards Jesus. So the right. the pornography and the the addiction, the, the immense amount of things that we can be addicted to in our life, um, bad friends. Uh, anything that pulls us away from Sunday morning worship with our, with our family, um, our cell phones and smart devices. It just, yeah. Anything like if you, if you have your eyes on Jesus and everything that you do, the different things that are trying to distract you, like if you're on on a race path and, or if you're on a race track, there's fans, there's people screaming, there's people drinking, there's people cheering, there's people booing. Uh, if you know that they're there, but they're not on the track with you, the only ways, re- way they can get on the track with you is if you invite them onto the track. Yeah. <laughs> and if you never invite them onto the track, you can just go right past them mm-hmm. every single time. Yeah. He ends this whole thing and he talks about how your death is your final sermon, which I really like that. I really like that. I've always been told, live your life in such a way that you won't be ashamed of what they put on your tombstone. I like that. You know, that's what what is going to be the lasting memory of you? What is your legacy? What is it that you leave behind um, when you're when your grandkids are talking about their grandfather to their children? What are the stories are they telling? You know, what are the what are the memories that they have? Is it of a godly man who did everything he could to serve Christ, or was it somebody who served himself? 
Was it somebody who struggled with his addictions? Was it somebody who struggled with his selfishness, his anger, his bitterness? I, I think that idea that your death is a sermon and it's your final sermon is an impressive way to think about this whole thing. How do you go out? Do you go out as strong as you lived? You know, what were your thoughts when, when Dave was talking about that? Uh, I, I absolutely love that because a lot of the time when you're around people for longer than just like 20, 30 minutes and you're just sitting around talking, a lot of the time you talk about the past, you talk about where you grew up, who raised you, um, or if you bring up grandparents or parents, uh, you kind of like to share your experiences as well. That's this conversation. And the amount of stories that you hear that are great, godly men, and the also the amount of stories that you hear that are just, just heartbreaking. And the only thing, the thing that I was thinking about the most is how one moment can destroy your whole legacy. Everything you work towards. Everything you work towards. It only takes one moment to change the view of yourself uh, for other people and how people view or will tell your story after you pass because you can't tell it anymore because you're not here. That's right. And that's what I was thinking the whole time. Yeah, I, I, my wife has me watching a, a TV show, and after I say this, I'm probably losing my man card. But uh, my wife and I, we, we watch the show This Is Us. And right now, and if, if you watch the show and you haven't kept up with it recently, just go ahead and hit mute for just a few seconds while I, while I explain what's going on. But um, the, the main characters have an uncle who's an Army veteran, and he is a bitter old man. Uh, he's not happy. He's a drunk. He's got mental issues, and he doesn't want to be helped. And every time I watch him, I think to myself, how lonely of a life is that? And how much worse is it that when he dies, he'll probably just be forgotten? Mm -hmm. Could you imagine living a life in such a way that everything you did was so worthless and meaningless that you're forgotten? I pray... <laughs> that that's not the case for my life. I pray that when I leave this place, I pray that there are churches that have ministers in them that I taught or who were taught by people that I taught. I pray that my children and my grandchildren are doing the work of the Lord and that they're instilling that in their children. I'm praying that my legacy lives on for a long, long time. And whereas it may not be my name that's remembered, but that Christ is remembered because of the life I lived. I agree with you. I, I can't add to that. That's, <laughs> that's, that's I hope what everybody prays for in right. their life, that when people talk about you, uh, they not only talk about you, but they talk about how you impacted this person. This person. I mean, Wayne Smith's a perfect example of oh, that. Oh, man. Um, whenever I think of Wayne Smith, I don't necessarily just think about him. I think about... Uh, people who have ministered to me because of Wayne Smith. Um, Brad Walden's the same way. I think of people um, that impacted me, like growing up at camp and stuff. Like <coughs> The reason that I'm a minister today um, 
is because of certain people. And whenever I share and I talk about certain people, I share a part of my story. And that's why I love that ending of yeah. the end. Uh, your life is a big sermon. And there's a bunch of different illustrations. There's a bunch of different conversations with different people. Yeah. There's a bunch of different points of different people that you talk to. Uh, and they're hopefully, um, like we were taught in Bible college, every sermon should be pointing to Jesus yes. at the end. Yes, and if every if every life is is a sermon, then that's how they should end as well. Yes. Yeah, man, this is good. It was fun talking with you again today. This was yep. not quite as long as some of our other ones have been, but uh, <coughs> what what a great message from this past Sunday. Yep. What a great message. I think the only way it would have been better is if if Rob would have gotten a chance to go up and then teach again after it oh yeah. yeah we all know that when rob gets on stage we learn so much more no it just so. gets loud <laughs> well rob i appreciate you man it's been a good time this yep. is the catalyst midweek podcast which i almost forgot what to call it just now but uh this is the catalyst midweek podcast where we continue the the conversation from this past week's sermon we look forward to meeting with you next week as we share from our celebration sunday and some of the amazing stories of testimonies that people are going to be sharing this coming Sunday with us. Have a great week, and we'll catch up with you next time. Bye-bye.